Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 137, maybe? 138? Doesn't matter. This is the Option Podcast. That guy on my left, or is it my right? <laughs> Big Lou, man. What up, Big Lou? The episode starts. Buckle up, buckle up, people. The episode starts right now. That was loud. <laughs> What's up, Lou? Man, I'm, you know what? I'm I'm good, man. I'm I'm excited to be here. And let me let me let me start off the proper way because I I was raised in said manner. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be on the on the show, man. I definitely appreciate it. Um, I know you got your choice of you know who to pick and choose from to have out there. So the fact that I made it onto this show. In the, in the triple digits instead of the the, the quad digits because eventually you will hit ten thousand or uh, mm -hmm. you know a thousand right. uh, since we're in the hundreds right now so I'm glad to be on this early in and uh, you oh, know man. hopefully we give these guys something to have a have a good time with and laugh at but you know understand yeah. the the message uh, of what's coming through in you know these different questions concerns complaints issues ideas uh, or anything else that you guys may have for us <laughs> yeah. Listen, don't take I, it personal people no i mean well if they take it personally then they probably won't watch this podcast well, <laughs> there's a there's a whole bunch of people waiting to get their feelings hurt who's who actually tune in every week so there's so there's that that demographic of people too right there i could be indirectly talking about you yeah. without knowing you uh, <laughs> well, cool nice so listen before we before we talk about what we were talking about before the show started um i like interesting people I like interesting people. There are people who are less popular. There's a karaoke queen a couple of weeks ago. There's, you know what I'm saying, a, um, Olympic gold medalist, had Dane on, you know. But So I have all kinds of people. But at the end of the day, like, I don't know if I would ever want to interview Popovich. Right, he's like he's not the kind of person you want to do a long form podcast. <laughs> you see him in the For fourth. Sure. You see him in the fourth quarter. It's like, what's your strategy to this one? Make sure we win. It's like. I mean, the obvious, he states the obvious yeah. quick, quick yeah. and quick and simple. And then he gets back yeah. to work on the court. But, you know, uh, I'll the, but say those guys I, with like fewer words make themselselves more attractive. Right. Like you want you want a long form because there are fewer words. But sometimes at the end of the day, that's all they are. They're just they're just really great coaches because uh, um, we're yeah. going to talk about great coaches. Right. Uh, um, who don't have a whole lot to say. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. I was talking with somebody um, earlier this week in in reference to great coaches and the coaches that we see. And, and I'm going to just use basketball as an example right now, please, because we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about football, too. But go ahead. OK, um, in that, you know, Michael Jordan, I mean, for me, it's not even arguably he's the goat. He's the best to ever play the game. Um, and then bless his heart, he, you know, he 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 delved into coaching and didn't go too well. Hmm. Uh, and then we have some players who, you know, great at what they did. Are they on a Michael Jordan type level, the GOAT level? Not necessarily, right? We got the Jason Kids, we got Steve Nash's, uh, even Ty, Ty Lue is out there doing this thing right now. Um, and I guess the, the funny thing between them all is we look at Michael Jordan, who was, again, the greatest player to ever play the game, but he couldn't coach uh, as well as he played. Right. And then these other people that, that, that I mentioned, you know, the Ty Lues, the Steve Nashes, uh, uh, the Jay Kids, again, all great at what they did. Um, but for some reason, 
more efficient at coaching. I won't necessarily say better, but I'll say more efficient, more effective coaches. Um, and I think the reason behind that is, and this is just my humble opinion, people. I haven't, it hasn't been written anywhere. So don't take it as, as that type of gospel. This is just my own observation, uh, being an ex-athlete and a coach now and a mentor of young men as well. Um, that being, Michael Jordan was so great at what he did. His ability to learn, take in information, process it, regurgitate it on the court physically, film study, uh, putting in the extra hours, you know, getting up early, going to bed late. Um, he, I think as a coach, expected the players that he had to be the same type of student and have the same fire and passion and drive that he did. Um, and that's one of the one of the, the things as a coach that we have to be very good at in terms of breaking the information down. And everybody's learning curve is different. Everybody's ability to adapt is different. Everybody's athletic prowess coming in is a little bit different. And I think Michael Jordan just was unable to convey or have the patience with some of those guys that he was coaching uh, to learn things as fast as he did and then be able to apply it and be a master of it, you know, within a couple of weeks and then move on to the next learning lesson. Um, I, whereas I, Jay, you know, Jason Kidd, uh, again, Steve Kerr. I mean, here's a great example. Steve Kerr was, you know, was phenomenal when he was playing the game. Was he on a Michael Jordan level? No, obviously, but look at what Steve Kerr was able to do and is still doing with Golden State. Uh, just his student mentality of the game, but I think his patience with the the collection of guys that he has, the core of the guys he had, and how he delivers the message, um, I think it just comes off a little bit differently because he himself had to be patient with his skill set when he was, you know, out there doing the gambit, getting up early for practice, going to bed late, flying around, doing all the film study. So him just understanding that from that perspective, being in it in himself, I think it gives him a little bit more understanding in terms of being patient with the learning curve or having a different way to deliver the message because sometimes getting that point across, there's a variety of ways to get the message across, but then we can be handicapped by our own personal athletic ability and can only see one or two ways to explain that stuff, i.e. Michael Jordan. Uh, and it just didn't, it just didn't transfer well or look well on the court. So he wasn't a great, a very successful basketball coach. Again, which begs the question, how can somebody so good be so bad coaching? Cause he didn't have the best run when he was coaching. Um, and I think in my most humble opinion, just to tie that all together, I just think the guys who had to work the hardest, um, and understand those extra hours, but the learning curve, their patience is just a little bit more in depth, if you will, with the guys that they're working with to teach that. Uh, and I think that's why you see a lot of these coaches out there today who were, again, great players in their own right, um, not on a Michael Jordan yeah. level. But Isaiah really, Thomas is another one, right? I mean, again, I mean, another one. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you even brought that up because I totally forgot about Isaiah Thomas, of which, you know, I was a huge Detroit Piston fan. Uh, back in the day, and that's, you know, partly in part because I was a Dennis Rodman fan, obviously Bill Lambeer. Yeah. The, again, people, for those of you who are watching this, this I want to say this That was before the flagrant foul. <laughs> this is before the foul. Like, you, you literally need to draw blood before you would get a foul. Yeah. Um, 
and that's you know the complexion of the game has changed but you know like everything else in life it's evolving um is it evolving on a complete fair scale that's a whole nother conversation we'll right. talk about that later nfl quarterbacks mm. no well i i think you brought up a very very good point uh for basketball because basketball is a very unique sport to use as an example like almost every sport it's, those are leagues that are driven by coaches like baseball is like GM driven or managed manager driven basketball is still very much controlled by the players like if there's a situation where like a player has to go or the coach has to go it's going to be the coach where where football that's not necessarily true right and 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 even in some cases baseball unless unless it's a Yasuo Puig in his prime right um so you brought up a very good point because coaches as far as getting the level uh, of respect mo the, most of the people that command that respect are the former players right so jordan didn't really didn't really have any excuses he didn't have respect issues coming in it's michael jordan like steve steve kerr you know he's he look he's not jordan but he had enough rings where they got to kiss it too right and also uh, uh, this situation where mark mark jackson left who was also who was also an, uh, a fantastic coach the Amazing. situation fell in his lap um so it really makes me highlight people like popovich right or people like Jeff Van Gundy. All right, we'll turn back the clock a little bit. Wow. Or, or, oh, that's your team, right? Chuck Daly never dribbled the basketball in his life. Didn't even didn't even play the sport, and he's got two rings, right? And also coached the dream team. Uh, so, so to me, uh, um, and I think we're going this 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 situation. I think respect comes from giving it. Um, uh, two, one, and two, knowing how to manage superstars and getting superstars to play together, like Spolstra. Man, that guy had to go through the rung to get his respect. Like, he's a Pat Riley acolyte, but I'm like, they're like, dude, LeBron James fell on your lap. You ain't no real coach until you are. And now, and now here he is, right? Miami Heat, a couple of years ago, right? NBA Finals, like a bunch of overachievers with Butler, right? And it looks like, and it, I believe they came in as the one or two seed um, this playoffs now, right? I, I, for, yeah. for those of us following the NBA, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, so we had this conversation about like top five coaches in each sport and i like spolcha uh, i like popovich because popovich doesn't really have too many losing seasons regardless of who he has um i like kerr in that mix um you know i i think kerr yeah. kerr is really making his bones now and you mm -hmm. know everybody's trying to well i won't say everybody but you know i've heard some people you know hating on golden state is just because of what they have been able to do over these last, you know, of the last five, six years. Um, and they have a culture there. They have a dynasty. Um, they have a great system. And they could potentially know, make the finals this year, right? Don't, I mean, listen, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty set on the fact that I, I, from the game I saw Golden State play the other night, I would be, I would be completely shocked if they don't win it all this year again. Right. Well, they got uh, I mean, the Suns is going to be a tough finals game. This because the Suns are are they're, they're playing team ball, but they, but when, they but when, are. But when Curry know. starts throwing up balls after he passes half court, uh, <laughs> he has one of those games where he just he steps, he has his foot on the line at half court and just throws it up. It fires. Well, you know, it's, really? it's you know, it's funny you say that because that that puts me in mind of something that I I, I came up with so long ago. And it's, you know, it, it basically goes like this. And, and we'll get to using, you know, Steph Curry and, and Michael Jordan and, and, you know, rest in peace, Kobe and all these guys as the example. But when when is it not luck anymore? Like, how many times do you have to do something 
before people don't call it luck. Yeah. Well, I think anyone that calls it luck it, uh, severely misdiagnoses the situation, and they clearly show how far on the outside looking looking in they are. Like, you're an elite athlete. Me, I've been in the sports all my life. So there are some things you and I, looking on the outside in, can can see and, and identify uh, because of what we experienced and what we, we, we kind of know it when we see it. And I think right. anyone that uses the word luck too much really, really um, is a slave to the English language. And they're just, they have, they're, they're incapable of probably solving real problems in their life anyway. I, my, my motto is luck is for losers, but I don't necessarily believe that's true. Like, well, um, and, luck, and luck, to you. me, luck is the residue of design, right? Like, do you remember, um, we're talking about basketball. How about Kawhi Leonard's shot? Three years ago against no, the, the Sixers, where, where he sat on the on the baseline, out of bounds, and waiting, watched for it to fall in. The whole world, and an entire Amazing. nation called Canada, and the entire nation called Canada, looking at a big ass monitor, was like, "Amazing, yeah, transcendent." How many people call that luck? I, I I call it a little bit of luck. That that shot was a little bit of luck, but I mean, in terms of it but hanging on the rim, yes, like but, he's, but he still has to make that shot. Right. Well, it's interesting. Nobody practices a shot and no. it just uh, rolling <laughs> on the rim like that, right? Like, how many times can we actually practice that and redo that? No. But to be there in the moment, to not break down mentally, physically, emotionally, in that point in time in the game when everything was on the line, and still have the wherewithal to put the ball in the right place. So it does have that opportunity to roll into the basket and get that win. Uh, it reminds me of that that one match that Tiger played in years, years ago before all this other crazy stuff started happening. And if, you, if, if you're if you a gamer out there, you play PlayStation, you know, Tiger Woods, PGA Golf or whatever it is, there, there was the one where he, he got a great shot and the ball sitting right on the edge of the cup. And it's the Nike swoosh that's pointed up and the camera's looking at it almost like uh caddyshack at that last one with the earthquake is going right <laughs> and tiger's ball rolls and fall it slowly trickled its way boop and falls into the cup man they took that moment and it became a huge part of of um pga golf on playstation xbox and all that stuff and when you hit a, a great shot that's what the that's what the image was on the game on the game, which told you you just made a great Tiger Woods shot. Now, my question to you is this: I don't think there's a such thing as luck. Luck only favors the skilled. Yeah, right? and that's that's what I mean by like opportunity you know, meets preparation. Yeah, you know, Michael Jordan. How many times did Michael Jordan do what he did, but before people stop calling it luck? Right. Same with Steph Curry. So to go back to what you were saying earlier, like he crossed half court and he just fires a ball up and swish and it's in. Now, the joke is this. Anybody else that does that. First thing we're going to say, dude, that's luck. You that's can't the do luckiest it shot you've ever done in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. But mm -hmm. for Steph Curry, that's just a Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's not even a game day. Like he's literally not even thinking about it. So yeah. that's that's what goes back to my thing about, you know, like. Do you, know, do you know he did a shoot-around and shot 104 straight three-pointers in practice? 104 straight He made 104. Yes. I can't do 104 layups. Look, look, after <laughs> look after 18 layups, just driving, I'm going to lose focus and, and one might rim out, you know, whatever. This right. guy shot 104 straight threes in practice. So See, that so for the, again those are people like you and me that 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 hear about practices and this and that and you're you're less surprised and 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 you're not 
and you're not thinking that's luck, you know? Right. It's it, but at the end of the day, it's you already said, you know, it's, you know, when hard work meets preparation, mm-hmm. and 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 that opportunity, yeah. And for Steph Curry, even if whether it's nobody on the court or he's playing in front of 55, 60,000 and it's jam packed, yep. He puts in the same effort if he's in the gym by himself that he does when he's in front of 60,000 people. No doubt. And this is, you know, the message that I try to give to a lot of the kids that I work with and train and and coach and mentor in a variety of sports uh, and strength and conditioning and in the fitness world. Like, listen, if you can't, if you're not turning it on in practice every day, when when you're getting ready for that, that match, that game, that competition, how are you going to be able to turn it on when you get to that point? Yeah. And you even and even if you are right, how long can you sustain just getting by on talent? Right, there are some guys who are not good practice players, and there's some guys who are good game players, and it's like wow, like with like look no further than our club, right? I'm uh for the people listening, I'm the I'm the head coach of the 13s for Flow Two for LA Volleyball Club. This this fantastic um uh, uh set of juniors with this amazing coaching staff, and and you know what that guy who does um conditioning and strength, he ain't he ain't too shabby either. I, I mean his name escapes me right now, but but, but um but he's um, okay. Yeah, hold on once. Let me let me sh- let's see if we could t- take a look at that winning shot actually for um Kawhi. So oh, let's, you got it. Yeah, let's do it. Look, look, uh, right there. All right, let me go. Let's go back. Actually, let's go back. I want to go back 10 seconds. There it is. So here it is. Boom. Oh, That's just man. ridiculous. Oh, that is oh, just ridiculous. And it was, and look, the robot feels. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi is um, a pretty uh, um, emotionless person, right? I, I mean, right. and not in a bad way. I mean, that's the way he knows how to play his sports successfully, right? So, so, um, and you know, Tim Duncan, right? Th- those are those are types of players right. who who whose success is is guided by that. But I was like, I just saw the dude. I just saw the robot feel. I just saw the robot feel. <laughs> so. So as far as youth sports are concerned, you were, you are going on to something. I wanted because I wanted to bring that back about good practice habits uh, lead you leading you to um, in game situations where well, first of all, physically you can do it because you practice it over and over and over, but also right. psychologically, right? Um, if you've done it that many times, it's not something you're going to think about in the game because if you think no. about it, you're probably gonna, you might you might miss it. Uh, like Jordan, right? Like almost every winning shot that guy, that guy's had, or any winning shot anyone's had, any any winning pass, any winning catch in football. Though it's this is not like something like oh we I thought this through or time slowed down and I was thinking don't drop this. Though sometimes those are stories, but it comes yeah. from just uh, mind not mindless but endless reps uh, of doing it the right way or whatever. That's it. That's floor is right. yours. You, you, I mean, you you just hit it right there, Jay. It's endless reps and it's not so much endless it's we just we push the envelope right and that's what real sports and competition in my most humble opinion is about pushing the envelope we don't want to necessarily play down or have easy matches because at the end of the day how am i getting better as a player as a person in competition i'm not um and and that's what i think has made guys like michael jordan uh, again rest in peace kobe bryant the larry birds obviously magics i mean the list can go on and on and on uh, and these guys found a way to keep that competitive edge, whether it was in practice, whether it was just them and their trainer by themselves on the court, 
shooting, going through drills, or they're actually in competition. You know, and, and the hardest thing for youth to do is, you know, visualization. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah. you know, yep. being able to focus and just continue and repeatedly over and over and over do the same little things, the little things, the little things, you know, and I do a lot of uh, sports specific training in terms of football. Obviously that was my vehicle of choice. Um, even though I played all sports in high school. Um, and, and I, I tell some of my kids who play quarterback, like, Oh man, we got to throw out routes again, or we got to throw in routes again. And, and my, my answer to that is, let me ask you, how many out routes do you think Tom Brady has thrown? And they, they get yeah. quiet mm-hmm. and they don't have an answer. Like, how many out routes do you think Russell Wilson has thrown? That's at the end of the day, when you get to a certain level in sports, and it's okay now we're playing like, you know, the, the lowest of the lowest in terms of park and rec, and we're kind of getting our feet wet as kids. You know, there's coaches on the court, and, you know, we're moving people where they're supposed to be. We're kind of guiding them through this process. But if we're doing sports for real, you touched on it earlier, if you have to think to yourself, I need to be there, you're late. You'll never make that play. Sorry, that's just, I mean, and that's just the essence of sports. And in some, in some regions and areas, um, everybody knows about high school football in Texas. I mean, it's, it's one of the most highly touted areas it's, in it's the religion. U.S. It's religion. It's, it's religion. Uh, a buddy of mine, I actually, I had him on my radio show, uh, and he transferred from here. He moved to Texas, and he actually played at Odessa Permian. For those of you who may not know, Odessa Permian is one of the schools that was highlighted in varsity blues right. uh, that they played against. And he showed me a picture of their high school football stadium holds 20,000 people, man. Yeah. 20,000. Anytime you go to a town and you're trying to, let's say you're trying to get a haircut at the barbershop or you maybe you're trying to get a quick cup of coffee or whatever in this. And, and the sign on the door says closed for football. That's a religion. It's <laughs> a religion. You know what? I'll tell you, the first time I actually experienced that was in 1991. Yeah. And, you played, uh, uh, remind our audience, uh, Washington, yeah. right? University of Washington? Uh, yeah, I, I played, I played, I, I, was, I, I, had a full, I was on a full football scholarship to the University of Washington. I was there uh, from 90 to March of 95 is when I came out and, and went, uh, went to pursue my professional career. Um, and in 91, you know, I'll tell you this, like, like when I was there, you know, I was so blessed to be there with the group of people that I was with. Uh, and even these guys, I mean, the phenomenal talents on the field, even better people off the field. Um, but one thing that we all had in common that a lot of other places didn't is the amount of work ethic that we put in. Like it was, it was football 24 and some more. And, and that's how we got down. But that's what also brought us the, the accolades that we had in, at Washington in that early 90 run. You know, I was there for four and a half, four and a half years, roughly five years. One played in three Rose Bowls, won two of them, one of them a national championship and three Pac-10 titles. Yeah, I'm going to work hard every day of the week and twice on Sunday if I can come away with that. But that's the, the beauty of it is part of the work ethic that we put out into these things. Uh, we still don't know if we're going to win or not. Right. You, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of competition and where we're going to fall in the rankings. But ultimately, in terms of the kids and the youth that are listening and may see this, you're going to always win because you're learning something and you're building something that's going to help you for the rest of your life. Yes. Showing up early and leaving late, 
you know, doing the extra work, working when you're a little bit tired. I mean, you, you know, you can't go into corporate world and show up late and leave early and then get mad when you don't get a promotion. Like that's not yeah. how it works, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, or, or look I, the other way when you when you get um laid off. <laughs> or, or look the other way, right? Like, yeah, like unfortunately, it doesn't go that way. Right. Um, I I agree with that in the sense that um, any kid, whether it's let's let's say it's jujitsu class, right? Let's say it's. Yep. Uh, piano class for our, my wheelhouse of course it's volleyball and our wheelhouse is just sports and sports in general i Absolutely. think the discipline of being in a certain place knowing that other people are counting you on you to be on time you're counting for them to be on time um where where you have to do something in this collective effort and, and this can't, can't be two better sports than indoor volleyball and football i'll tell you the truth I, you know i mean yeah. just just talk about ultimate team games where like all of these moving parts and no matter how like less important someone thinks their part is at that time it's 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 you know it's uber important i mean look i've been coaching for 22 years and this is 13's group it's, this is the youngest group i ever coach and i have really? not, i have not seen a team in in quite some time almost a decade where it takes everyone on the roster to win matches like like I, i'm gonna i'm gonna coach some teams right and and i got some really bomb outside hitters or i got an oppo that we could just set every ball and he could take us home or i got someone who's served the space as good and uh, maybe you have two or three players that have that but this is the first team i coached probably probably since 2014 um um and that team was in college that was a high school team but that it took everyone to win and I love, and I, dude, I love this team because of that, because it takes everybody. And so pe there are people that want more playing time, right? Because they're in the bottom of the roster. And of course, club, you got to deal with parents, right? Parents can be cantankerous and this, because every parent is convinced that their kid's better than they are. I mean, and, that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> and, yes, I, and I'm are. saying that while we're recording. So hold on a second. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I'm just, I had to look at my camera. Yeah, I said it. Um, and, but. I think when parents look back retrospectively, and, and hopefully the kids do too, they they do realize, especially on a team like this, how important their role was. So, so like you said, there's this discipline that sets you up for uh, how you're supposed to behave in life. All right, on on a basic mammal function, and but like you said, the more competitive the program, and the more you put in, the more it makes you, it better prepares you for intense situations in life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I. Uh, you, you can't say it enough. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's funny. I've, I've experienced that exact thing with parents, you know, believing that their child was better than they were. And that's club. <laughs> in California, right, club, you know, club is big in California and that's club. It's mm -hmm. huge. And, and I'm learning that, you know, this is my, my first year. We know I was just talking with, with, uh, with, with coach Jason Olive uh, from LAVBC uh, the other day. And there I was, go, I was saying, you know, like we're coming up on a year in terms of me being involved with the program and director of street conditioning for the girls. And, you know, I can tell initially, and one thing I didn't want to do, because I know my energy is, is off the charts when I show up and it's time to go. And I'm really in a, a team environment. Like coach Lewis is an acquired taste. I'll be the first to tell you right now. I am an acquired taste. No you doubt should have it. your own cable channel. <laughs> Well, you got your sports talk show, but I mean, but for you to physically show who you are in your presence that commands the room, dude, everyone would tune in and everyone would tune in for that. But go ahead. I, I, I hope, you know, I mean, that would be that would be an amazing uh, opportunity if something were like that were to come about. But, you know, it's, you know, if, the first time that I meet a group of, of, of youngsters, be it male or female, it doesn't really matter. Um, 
you know, the, the biggest thing is I have to show up on fire with energy. Because if I don't, especially not knowing who I have yet, if I don't show up on fire and ready to go, no way I can expect them to be ready to go. You know, and, and even so, they could be, but I don't know what they're ready to go is. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, we're learning about one another in that respect. Um, but, you know, going back to parents thinking their kids are better than they are and, you know, again, I think that's part of the issue with where the world has come today, especially with youth sports and just the youth in general, is this whole thing about inclusion. I'm all about inclusion and including people when they're supposed to be included. Uh, and if we're putting in the work, within the, if we're putting in the work, we're putting in the time and we're, you know, we're being honest about where we are and we keep our mind open uh, and never really take it personal because as a coach, I have a job to do. As a player, you have a job to do. And one thing I like about club is, you know, listen, if you're not performing, if you're not dotting the I's and crossing the T's, you know, I'm going to push you off to the side and have somebody else come in. And that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, that's the LA Volleyball Club way, man. That's, yeah. That's, right, that's but, Jason know, Olive. That's you. That's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Kamalu. That, no, 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 but you're good because, you know, you, we go back to school. When we were in school, you know, you had the big overhead projectors and you could just put a one sheet off and put another overlay on top of there, right? So with that said, um, that's, again, what happens in life as well, real life outside of sports. You know, it, again, going back to my, my reference earlier, like you can't show up late and leave early and then get mad because you don't get a promotion or you get a raise. It's not how it works. No. And in sports, you know, when you're in the right situation as a coach, when you're in the right situation as a player, and we marry those together, you already know that you have to show up early, not on time. You got to show up early. You got to put the work in because the person behind you is so close to you that if you mess up on any level, Oh, and they get an opportunity to come in, you may never get that spot back. Nope. Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady. I'm just saying. Yes. Like, that's a very, huh. very good. And Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady is a very good example. You and, know? I mean, that's the epitome of somebody doing the work, hanging off in the back, in the cut, and was drafted in the sixth round back in the day, right? And yeah. everybody six, talks about that. There were six quarterbacks time. drafted before him, yeah. I mean, so you talk about a guy having something to prove – and he still, and I, I, I don't know Tom Brady personally. I'm a huge fan, uh, but I don't know him personally. But in my head, the way he's still playing and, and, and putting in the extra work, right, not performing on the field. I'm talking about everything he does off the field. Yeah, that's not just genetics. He, he's not even like he's not, not even like a genetically phys- physically gifted quarterback. He no. just, he's just a killer. <laughs> he's just a killer. But at the end of the day, <laughs> he's the last of a dying breed in my humble opinion, in terms of 100%. NFL prototypical quarterback. Yeah, because he wouldn't even be picked. He wouldn't even be looked at. Like his no, his body enough. type, his speed, what he did on the 40 was laughable. Uh, um, laughable. Um, you're, you're right, but but maybe not. Because I'll give you an example. Like basketball, we're talking about basketball, right? Like LeBron yep. James, there are some things LeBron James does on that court that the average person with like a, a different body type and their wildest dreams can't do. Even on LeBron's worst day some people can't do then you look at someone like steph curry right um look they can't do what steph curry go does but when you look at steph curry's average body type and his ball handling and like his physicality 
Right. It makes everyone his size work harder to try to defeat those stereotypes, right? Like, and look, and, and in our and my wheelhouse, and again, I will. I mean, you and I can talk about Tom Brady because he's opened up his life enough where we we can say we know a lot about him. We don't know him sure. personally. I don't know. I don't know if him and Giselle get along, right? I mean, right, like, right. We don't know what was really on that phone when he didn't tell people <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to show you my phone, right? <laughs> I have my own conspiracy theory about that. But that is a whole other story. <laughs> like, yeah, show funny. me your phone, man. You better go kick rocks. You ain't touching. You ain't touching my phone. I just want. I just want no, to see it. I'll give it back. No. <laughs> I mean, in Tom's defense, how many people just hand their phone over to let people look through their phone? Though, thank anyway. you. And and they don't. Like know. That, and on the CBA, I mean, and on the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, everyone knew he wasn't required to do that. That was just ridiculous. And he cooperated. Yeah, he cooperated in every other facet too. But you what, know, but it's because he's winning too yeah. much. I've heard people tell me they don't like Tom Brady because he wins too much and he looks too good. Like that, I need, yeah. I need a better reason. Well, I, I here's I I will speak more to my wheelhouse, which I I'd like to call myself an expert. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, in juniors. And I've done all kinds of age groups, even though 13 is my first. There are a lot of coaches that line up these kids against the wall, right? And coach, big up Brian McDermott, because you brought this to my attention, and I'm, I'll make it with his sentiment, which is mine too. Line up these kids against the wall, right? You're tall. You're probably going to play middle. You you want to play outside hitter? Forget it. You can't. No, just this is this. That's realistic, and it pisses me the f off because. And I'm I'm not saying the f word because I know our kids are going to watch us. It pisses right. me the f off to tell a 13-year-old who's not finished growing physically, psychologically, uh, um, her mental faculties, like like all of, all, all of your chakra buildup, right? From a toddler to a teen, to a teen, to a young adult, to a full adult. How dare you, right? This person is not fully grown and you're already, before they can even reach an, an age of some kind of consent, you're already telling them what they can and can't do five years before they even hit 18 years old, right? And go out on their own. It pisses me off because you're not um, allowing that kid to challenge himself. Now, guys like you and me, and I think I'm going to speak for you on this one. I'm going to give you the floor in a minute. Go for it. Let's say there's a girl who's 5'6", five, or 5'7", five, 5'8", five, right? But college players, um, college outside hitters. Or like six feet, six one, or and the guys are a different different category. Forget it; those are like six fivers, right? Even though even though the best players are six one, like Taylor Crab from the beach player when he played yeah, indoor, yeah. when he played indoor at Long Beach State, he was player of the year, and he's six one. So so anyway, um, what I would do, I would go to that girl and I'd be like, look, I ain't gonna lie to you, some pretty big girls in this in that position, but if this is what you want. I want you to talk to Coach Coach Lou. Let's get on that box. Let's talk about jump training. Let's get your physicality to a point where any coach's level of concern about your size. Because size in volleyball just means reach. How high you can jump and then and then your reach. How long are your arms? So the total reach, right? Like I'm 6'1", but my wingspan is 6'8". So I'm, I'm, I'm surviving that big man's world. So I'm, I'm a walking group hug. So... <laughs> So, right, yeah, just kind of like, look at it, watch this radio. Oh, look at that. That's oh, hilarious. Just, just, it comes from outside <laughs> the screen. But um, what I would tell the girl, and again, I want to give you the floor in a minute. What I would tell her is, um, realistically, there, there's not a whole lot of girls in that position like you, like you. But if you want it bad enough, I can help you. Now, if you want it bad enough. So I would tell her, one, that, and two, 
make sure you train for another position. Cross train, always leave yourself open for other positions. All right. So this is how you meet you meet these coaches in the middle or whatever. And because I've seen too many examples of people who don't fit that stereotype or who don't fit that prototypical build and have had a great level of success. Karch Cry, best player to ever play the game, 6-1, right? Bob Stewart League, one of the best passers in the tournament, 6-4, right? Um, Taylor Crabb, who's right now the best the best American player in the AVP, uh, and, and I can say that comfortably, not at Phil. Phil's part-time and then Jay Gibbs retired. Um, maybe his brother, Trevor, but 6-1 in the big man's game. Um, you just brought up on a different level Sorry, volleyball. Sorry, beach volleyball. But you just brought up Tom Brady on a different level. No disrespect right. to them, but that's that's um that's not just champ shit. That's that's right. that's right. that's some um, ridiculous. So I wanted to give the floor back to you because you opened it up with a good example. Um, and how much do you think uh, does that apply to youth as far as telling kids what they can and can't do and and presenting them realistically what their options are and the challenges around that? I'd like to give. I'd like for you to comment yeah, on that. That's a good. That's a real good question there. And, and you know, um, all of those guys that you mentioned, from the volleyball world to the basketball world, with yep. you know the LeBron Jameses and the Steph Currys, um, and then Tom Brady, of course, being the pinnacle in terms of football uh, with what he's been able to do, been able to do for as long as he's been doing it. You know, he's the oldest guy to ever play in the history of the NFL, uh, and he's still playing. I mean, me, ideally, I think he can play too. As long as he keeps his back clean, um, everything else is working on all cylinders. I mean, and there's a lot of, you know, 21, 22, 23-year-olds that would love to be able to sling it like Tom Brady does at 44, 45, whatever he is now. Yep. Um, Yep. Does that go back to your, your, what you were talking about, preparation? Like there's some people who do good things in a game that they don't practice, but how long does that last? And I think, do you think it lasts longer because Tom, Tom Brady's just more prepared? He's, I, I genuinely believe he is beyond well prepared, you know, and playing on this level at as high of a level as he has been playing on for 20 plus years. You don't do that unless there that you're doing every other thing behind the scenes that you have to do and then creating more things that you need to do just to be completely prepared. So uh, saying that is, and what I mean by that is, there's not a defensive coordinator in the game that can throw something at Tom Brady that he hasn't seen multiple times over. Yep, and that's preparedness. And that's preparedness, you know. And again, you know, he's so. I, I tell people nowadays, I say, listen, the reason the Patriots were so good at what they did when Tom Brady was there is because you, you in essence, had two of the best in the game at their craft. Bill Belichick, who is, you know, he's obviously going to go into the Hall of Fame. He's a defensive mastermind. He is the greatest defensive coach, I think, in the history of the game. Just my humble opinion. Yeah, first ballot. You have the greatest offensive coordinator on the other side of the ball who just happens to be the starting quarterback in Tom Brady. Right. Right, and people don't understand that. Like, here's a guy, aside from all the physical talent in terms of, being able to throw the ball where it needs to be thrown and throwing his guys open, the mental aspect of the game. He was just on so much of a whole nother level. He was in essence an offensive coordinator. Yep. And he stayed in his lane to, to take a to take a, a line from LeVar Ball. Tom Brady stayed in his lane. 
Bill Belichick stayed in his lane, and together they drove down the street a championship. Yeah. Um, and and that was the beautiful thing about that. Uh, in terms of youth sports, you know, again, it, it's the commitment level and finding out how how serious some of these kids really are. Um, some of them, they've been brought up and groomed into it, and that's all that they know. So it's not really saying commit to them because it's just a way of life to them, right? That's that's it. It runs in the family or close friends or someone that they're closely connected with has been doing this or running that circuit, whatever, in whatever area of volleyball, basketball, baseball, football, track, whatever it may be. And they have that, that nest of knowledge and work ethic. They're immersed in it from day one. And then there are the other kids who are, you know, naturally, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, uh, who, again, in terms of the eye test, right, they look like, oh, man, if he, if this person does this, he's going to get there just, you know, on size alone. And there's a lot of flops, um, you know, yep. and, and again, you know, we've had guys, you know, win the dunk contest who are, you know, 5'4". Right. Spud Webb it was like 5'6", 5'8", yeah. Nate, Nate, Nate Robinson, Robinson, yeah. You know, I mean, again, that's a, you know, Just don't put him in a boxing right ring, dude. Oh. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to you just gotta know when to say when. You know, again, going back to LeVar Ball to stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah. Nah, Nate's just saw, like, this soft that soft white dude who's a, a YouTuber and got face planted when, when he didn't know this YouTuber has been training – you know, for years, uh, I mean, years on in, and he's just, he was just looking for easy fights so he could make money, so. Right, right. I don't and even he, know how much, I don't even know how much Nate got for that, and you no. know, it's not really my my my, uh, no. my business, but I hope it was enough that, you know, it, it can fix those wounds. Yeah, we were uh, authentically worried. Like, I saw the way he face planted, the way he got dropped, and I was like, because some people get knocked out, you, you and they come around, I'm like, is, dude, Nate, Nate you. are you okay? <laughs> Yeah, look, I didn't watch that fight, but my phone started blowing up when things went south. Yeah. Uh, and I looked down and, you know, I was like, oh, that sucks. He got beat up like that. But then, you know, the selfish side of me was like, yo, wait a minute. How'd you think that was going to turn out, right? Yeah. No, well, the selfish side of me in the sense of he just made all Husky football players look soft. <laughs> and I heard something. I heard something from somebody. I don't know how true this is, so please don't quote me, but I have to say it because it's really funny. They say before the fight, the word was he was texting a bunch of people, Nate Robinson was, and I think he had texted Steph Curry. Actually, it's just like, it's about to go down. I'm about to show them basketball players. Woo! And then the inevitable happened. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, like, look, like, remember when Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather? Yes. How did any everyone think that was going to turn out? Look, Conor McGregor walks around probably like 175. So when he was fighting at 145 and 155, he was cutting like like MMA guys, they cut a, a trailer load of water weight. Where like Floyd, you know Floyd, he loses that weight not in the tub or not in the sauna. He loses that weight either during training or right. that's his walk around weight. I can't even picture in my mind Floyd ever being once walking around 170 and cutting weight to get to, to 156. It, how did they, my question was, how did they think Floyd, it, it was the first time we've ever seen Floyd walk someone down. And Floyd carried that fight. He, he allowed him to hit him. 
we all know Floyd and Floyd's Floyd's bag is defense. Yes, but that and was like, the first fight we saw him walk him down because like, most of the time you just see Floyd get in, boom, 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 and when you try to hit him, he's right. he's gone, and that's and that's his sweet science. He, so Floyd took it to him, and that's because mm -hmm. I think the, from what I understand, I didn't watch that fight either, but I think I think Floyd might have caught one, or Connor might have got one off on Floyd. And it pissed him off. Yes. Like, okay. You you want to you, you okay? Yo, now you want the business. So here, let, yeah. let me make yeah. it clear to you that you are out of your league. This is not your realm. Stay over. Stay over there because if you mm -hmm. come over here, this is what's going to happen to you. Pop, 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 pop. Well, some well for fighters, and I I, I can only speak on the MMA thing because um that's my my um enthusiasm and that's also my wheelhouse. For okay. fighters, you know, in the first round when some when whether you block a hit or when someone tags you and you roll with it, once you feel their power, because first round, everybody's fresh, right? And power doesn't wane, right? So Connor caught him the first round and the second round, like with an uppercut, and, you know, he right. snapped his head back. And when Floyd felt the power, um, he was upset he got hit because he doesn't get hit. But at the right. same time, he had this big old smile on his face, like the whole time, everyone's talking about this guy's power. Oh, once he feels his power, he's going to go down. And, he, and you took this clean uppercut from Connor. And when he felt it, he I think in his mind, he was like, I'm good. That's it. <laughs> that, right, that, right. that was it. Right. That was that was the fight. That was the one punch, uh, one punch Connor, right? That was the left that was supposed to drop me. I'm good. Right. In fact, let me carry this guy. In fact, let me carry this guy seven more rounds and see if he gets tired. Because the only fights I've seen Connor lose were fights where guys dragged him into deep water. Where they they had the gas tank to swim and he didn't. Um, AKA Khabib Nurmagomedov. It was uh, absolute, know, an absolute mauling. An absolute I'm to, mauling. Hmm? I'm happy to throw myself under the bus off of that that reference point that you use about getting drunk in the deep water. Yeah. Because uh, I I don't swim. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, is let me let me clear something up, people. It's not a black thing. I just never learned how to swim. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, no, it's a black thing. <laughs> no, it could be. It could be. Look, my mama's my mom's black, my father's white, so I'm I'm mixed, right? Where I can swim if I need to live. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, but I, ain't I ain't out there trying to beat nobody. Oh, that's hilarious. Like, I, I ain't trying to beat nobody. I ain't, I ain't out there trying to swim with sharks, scuba dive, no, and pet no. sharks. Come on, let's have fun. No. No, I'm good. No, I'm emergency good. No, I, snack. I, I see you when you get back. I, yes. I look, good. I look good next to the pool. Not yeah, you want to be you want to be someone else's emergency snack. Go ahead, <laughs> be my guest. No, real quick, because I don't I don't, don't yeah. want to lose this for people, no, but no, I no. want to go back and make another reference to that that Conor McGregor and and. and Floyd fight, mm -hmm. it put me in the mind of an older movie to see if you know the movie that I'm talking about with uh, Damon Wayans and uh, Samuel L. Jackson was in it as well. And it was a boxing movie. The Great White Hype. Oh, The hype. Great White Hype. The Great White Hype. Oh, you, you saw the way he came in at the Wayans. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best depictions. Dude, I gotta find uh, in terms of of a, of a contrast between, you know, w without the extremities of the Great White Hype, but just the the actual foundation of it, getting this guy to come and and you know he needed to fight somebody, and they put these two together, and he had no business staying in the ring with James the Grim yeah. Reaper Roper, uh, and coincidentally hitting with that overhand left or whatever it was. But he stung him good, like uh, like Connor got got Floyd. Hold up, here, and he here went it is. 
that's how he came in on the weigh-ins. What's that's up? How he came in. <laughs> Yo, that's the best. He was looking for some oh. uh, Krispy Kreme sponsor, but guy. <laughs> no, can finish your sentence. I, I hope I didn't break your flow by no, showing you that picture. No, you might have, but it's okay because <laughs> because that that's what it's about. Like if if anybody's seen that movie, then you'll get the reference, and, and that's the essence of what happened with Connor and, and Floyd. Is you know this except you know Connor was just you know Connor's a mouth in in, in his own and he's going to talk a lot of trash and he's definitely that alpha like that yeah uh, and he's going to put it out there and he's not you know he's not he's a great for the sport yep he's great for the sport and Floyd as well too and, and you know um, I mean at the end of the day no matter where you are in the line and, and this goes back to youth sports as well to kind of tie it all together because I, I love that we're having fun with this but I don't want the message to be lost listen people. If, if, if it's worth having, it's worth working for. And that's on all fronts, on every level of sports. Uh, and, and with our youth sports, again, I'm not big on coddling kids. I'm not big on, you know, including in terms of, I'm not going to give you a participation trophy. Like, I, I don't believe in that. Like, if you want a trophy, go win. That's the way it goes. Um, that's the way that I was raised. That's the way that I was groomed. And I, I'll never forget the first time in competitive sports for me, it was like eight teams in the league, 10 teams. And we came, we came in a place low enough that we did not get a trophy. Uh, but this is, again, this is, you know, 40 years ago. And they had the trophy ceremony with all the teams. They're like, you saw the winners getting their trophies and the losers just sat there and just watched. And I asked the coach, one of our coaches, I was like, Hey man, like, Coach, coach, like, wh where's our trophy? And he he literally told me straight to my face. He said, you want a trophy? I'm like, yes. He's like, okay, win. And I didn't have a rebuttal to that. I was like, um, okay, so am I getting a trophy? He's like, no, you lost. You don't get nothing for losing. Like, yeah. that's not how this works. Yep. Yep. And that puts such a, 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 a nasty taste in my mouth and in my gut. Uh, but in the same respect, it lit something under me that I just, I have never let go. And that's still to this day, 40 years later, rings into my head. If I want to be acknowledged for whatever it is that I'm doing, <clears throat> I need to go out and dot all the I's and cross all the T's. I need to show up early, leave late, ask the right questions. And if I don't understand the answers, ask another question. Yeah. Uh, and then put the work in. Um, and uh, again, you know, we're lucky that with the volleyball club team, at least it appears to me, and you would know better than I would, Jack, because you've been with them longer, but it appears to me most of our parents, uh, most being 98%, I will say. I like that number. <laughs> they, don't, they don't contradict what's being taught and how we train and, and, and coach our kids. Uh, because I've noticed through the years, a lot of times the parent always knows best, even though the parent has no background in what we're doing, they know better. And it's, it's contradictory and it stops the kid's growth. Or the kid is experiencing something physically that they've never experienced before and they swear that their body's about to fall apart and they're gonna die. Um, and some of the parents, well, you know, hey, you know, we got to pull back on the kids. They're, they're, they're feeling this or they're feeling that. Or my kid was, you know, they were emotionally hurt because they were so sore. That, Listen, this is part of the process. And again, with the parents that we have, it appears to me that most of them 
support what's happening during practice in the games, the conversations that we're having one-on-one with these kids and basically calling the kids out and reprimanding these kids for when they're not performing up to par, be it practice or in a match. I also, uh, But don't you think good coaching has a lot to do with that too? Like coaches, oh, absolutely. like the way kids leave practice, they can't wait to come to the next practice. When that, practice is yeah. over, well, I'm like, we, all right, we got to break down. They're like, oh, you know, what? What? Right. So the coaching in, in LA Volleyball Club, and this is weird because it's not like one way to skin a cat. You got no. Coach Coach Kamalu, right? I don't know. I right, keep forgetting her last name. You got Jason Olive, All-American, you know, University of Hawaii, absolute savage. You got me, who's been doing this half his life. You, and those are just three examples. But you, you will, as far as styles of coaching, you will not find three people who are more infinitely different right. than, than the three of us. But um, the net result. And I don't want you to lose your train of thought because you were getting on no. something bigger than what I was talking about. Um, but the net result is these kids can't wait to learn. <clears throat> and, and when a kid does that, and when I leave practice, you know what I do? Whatever a lesson plan, because I have like a, I actually have written lesson plans for three weeks. I pull out my paperwork and I start looking at it again. <laughs> Because I'm like, dude, I got them. I got, I, now I got to stay. You know, I'm, I, we always like to pride ourselves on, on staying sharp. But it right. makes you take a second look to make sure you're, um, you're, you're giving the kids the, the, the very best of you. Something you always feel like you do anyway. But it makes, <laughs> it makes you triple check if you're a double checker. Oh, for sure. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and, and it's true. And, and that's the one thing for me, Jay, is... I know for a fact I'm tough on kids. Like my expectations are high and through the roof. Uh, and, Historical and facts. I mean, again, it's that way because one, that's what was expected of me. Um, but two, through the years of coaching and working with different types of, of uh, mental capacities of kids, uh, kids from different, you know, social backgrounds, uh, you know, neighborhoods. Um, when, when we all come together on that court, I can care less where you're from or who your parents are. We are now all the same. And if we want to achieve the same things, which I'm assuming we do because we're all here, then that requires a certain work ethic. It requires a certain mentality. It requires a certain commitment level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all, again, we all bring different things to the table. Part of my job as the strength and conditioning coach is to pull everything out of you. So we are prepared physically for whatever we may have to endure to get to that next level. And because we don't know what that entails, and this is one of the great things about volleyball that I really love um, and I miss in terms of sports. When you take the clock out of the equation and you have to literally finish this match, like this, this, you can't hold the ball and just run the clock out or you can't just go and take yes. a knee. There's no keep away ball in volleyball. There's, there's no keep away ball. You got to finish this thing. It's, it's the same thing with baseball. Love baseball for that right there. You you want it, come get it. It's here. Now no, but even in it. baseball, you can have a 1-0 lead, play defense, and survive the bottom of the ninth. Volleyball, you have to reach a certain – you can't get to 22 in a 25-point game and be like – you know, be up 22-16 or whatever and be like, ah, oh, nah, hey, it's a cakewalk from here. No, no. Absolutely. And but the deeper you are in the playoffs, the more that team's looking for a way to come back. Sorry, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that, 
that right there for me is is the opinion because you just you can't you have to play until it's done. Yep. Um, and that's the mentality that I, I try to train in terms of the Los Angeles volleyball club. That's the mentality that I'm trying to give our girls. I'm like, listen, we're just a niche on a, on a very big totem pole at the bottom. Yeah. Like we have no idea what's happening over here on the other side of town or over here in Northern Cal. And that's just California. What about the rest of the country? So how do we prepare for that? Hmm. We have to we have to give everything that we have, yeah. keep it ever evolving, keep it always challenging, because, again, we don't know who we're going to see on the other side of that net and who we're yep. going to see. You know, I also and, I mean, yeah. Oh, no, no. Go, please go, go. Um, and that goes all the way to this conversation me and other coaches have on something called controllables. Right. Control when. Um, all right, so for everybody listening at home, we can talk about encore controllables, right? Like serve, no one can make you miss, right? Um, in system setting, if you get a perfect pass, the other team can't make you set poorly, right? Down ball, free ball, anything that's up and down with a six-man roster, if it, if it goes up and down, every every, every I mean, with, with six people on the court, no way that ball should drop. So these are things you're always going to control slightly more, and there's some things you're going to have 100% control. With that being said, what you're talking about is something that goes beyond that off the court control, right? The other team can't make you not do extra reps. Uh, 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 the other team can't make you not be physically prepared and with the gym time and this and that. The other team can't make you develop habits where you're talking, you're calling for the ball, free, mine, this, that, set us front row, set us back row. Those are things the other team can't, they can't make you shut up, right? Um, the other team can't make a coach be less prepared for for uh what's going to happen in a real game like for example jason and i we, on defense digging drills we kind of hit our kids pretty hard we hit our kids almost in an, in an adult like the speed of the ball almost like adults because and jason will be the first one to tell you and i keep using his name because we had this great conversation about it um he, he told me this funny story um there's nothing that our kids should see in a game that they already haven't seen in practice yeah, going back to this whole champ thing, we're not going back to the pro thing. Let's stick with the kids. But yeah, yeah. but using the pros as an example, but back to the kids. Um, Jason Olive, fun story. He was serving like really competitive serve to space. And he's like, dude, there's with sooner or later, the more we keep winning, the the more we're gonna face girls who are just who don't have any holes, who are just good. And they they jump a little higher, they hit a little harder. And if you've seen it here, you're not gonna be in a game like Wow, what was that? You know, right. so, but you know what happened though? Jason went to a tournament and he said there was a girl who served a space. <laughs> the girl let off a bunch of serves that not even Jason <laughs> did in practice. He said, he said, just when I got done saying, <laughs> this girl, he said, this girl comes along and her serve <laughs> was game changing. He told me the funniest story, and I'm like, oh God, sometimes sometimes you're running into those two. That's what, well, you know, it, it and and. That is, that's the whole funny thing right there. Mm. And, and it's one thing when the coaches are running the practice and getting the kids acclimated to what they may see. But this is one of the things that I allude to, especially in youth sports, you know, and, and it's really a big deal in youth sports because we might not have the numbers uh, in terms of people on the roster to simulate that. Right. And obviously, if we don't have a lot of numbers, we might not have a lot of those those freakish, those freakish athletes who are youth. 
right? Um, again, they're everywhere, but there's pockets of them, right? It, it, we never know how many we're going to have here, there. So how do you prepare for that? That's where, as a team, obviously, we can't teach height. I can't teach courage. But what I can teach you is how to attack. What I can teach is how to be relentless. What I can teach is how to be stronger, how to play with no fear per se. Like, not, don't worry about the outcome of the play. Just go and do your best to make the play. Like, I can give you all of that, but that's where practice and how we how we approach one another in terms of teammates in practice is such a huge variable to transitioning into competition. And just to give the, the listeners and the followers an example that they can uh, something tangible that they can understand. There was a time where in terms of college football, it's the best example for me to give. Uh, in, in, in college football, Nebraska was no, notorious for having the most walk-ons every year coming out for their program. And then, of course, the Ohio States and the Notre Dames and the Michigans, right? But oh, Nebraska, at one point, they had over 150, upwards of 200 walk-ons every year. And this is just walk-ons, not even the team that's coming back. Just people that just want an opportunity to line up to be the dummy offense or defense for the nucleus of the team who's going to be playing on Saturday to practice against. Yep. So imagine what that energy and tempo and competition is like. And that was one of the things, you know, to fast forward for us in Washington, when I was playing at Washington to go on that good run, the practices that we had, were so intense they were like it was like a game every day so when saturday came there wasn't nothing that we hadn't seen in practice that week for four times that week already just that week not counting the whole year but that week that we are not already prepared for and and i'll tell you jay that's one of my biggest if if i had one thing to pick that's the hardest thing for me to get across to our youth on in, in all sports from LAVBC to the kids I work with in high school football, some that are branched off to college now. And even my youngsters, you know, I, I have two boys. Uh, my youngest just turned six a week ago. Happy birthday, little man. And nice. um, my oldest is turning eight July 21st. So I've been coaching little league, you know, volunteer little league baseball coach for the last three, four so years. That, that little big, that big kid is six years old. Just turned six. bro. Wow. Okay. Just turned six. Wow, man. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so no, blessed. He's, he's going to be huge. He's no, going to be huge. <laughs> if, if, if he's just, I, you know, I just want him to be just a positive mm-hmm. member of society yep. um, and give him the ability to, to be multi-talented, multi-faceted in a variety of things and let him choose what he wants to do. Yeah. And then my job is to just make sure that he can do that. I hope they wind um, up like you. I hope they wind up close. I mean, you always want your kids to be better than you, right? Because that's how we are as fathers. That's, that's but like, dude, don't be. be like me. Dude, be better than me. No, but be better than me. But exactly. if let's say they're not better than you and they wind up like you, that's that's still a win. Like you're, dude, you're the type of guy that everyone wants their daughter to date and don't want their son to fight. All right, it, it is like it's it's that a true is. American whatever. That's, a quick question about Washington: Who was your who was your coach? Who was the head coach of Washington at that time? You know, I was so fortunate. I played under Don James, and then it progressed to Jim Lambright. Jim so Lambert. I okay, I played for the Dog Father himself. Okay, uh, and then I played for you know Jim Lambright, who at the time, you know, was one of the greatest defensive coordinators in college football. You know, in the game, um, 
and just you know, I, I mean, a whole host of of coaches that was there. Uh, Keith Gilbertson was our offensive coordinator, who was the you know, the OC for the Seattle Seahawks for a long time. Um, Ron Miles was my actual defensive back coach, and he just you know he did a long stint with the Chargers. He was with the Chargers for ten years, uh, did two years with the Ve- with Las Vegas, and now he's you know uh, continuing his coaching career with the Indianapolis Colts. Nice. Uh, you know, coincidentally enough, I was fortunate to have him on my my show, and Gus Bradley popped in for a second, so I got a, a quick cameo from Gus Bradley, uh, which was amazing as well. But uh, the, these coaches and these mentors that I've had, even just as a child, is part of the reason why I like doing what I do with youth, with kids, uh, males, females, anyone that wants to, you know, push themselves and just be just a better person physically, mentally, emotionally, because the physical side of the training, it, it works hand in hand with the mental side uh, and the emotional side of who we are just as a person, what we are inspiring to be. Uh, if we really want to take it a step further uh, into another realm, fitness and training, how we train affects, affects our daily lives. Right. And there's a saying where, you know, it, some people don't want to train early in the morning and, you know, it's too hard. I don't want to get up, but it's even more difficult if, if in case you're unaware, depending upon what you do for a career, you know, if you're in sales and you're on the phone all day and you're hammering out orders on the computer or you're a technical guy and you're sedentary in your job, do you realize how much more difficult it is to get up and go train and work out after you've spent eight 10, 12 mm-hmm. hours a day in the office, yep. it's so difficult. Moreover, the risk of injury goes up because we don't have enough blood flow into the brain, yep. which means we're not going to be that attentive to what we're doing in the gym when we're training in the evening time. Thus, risk of injury mm-hmm. goes up. Yes, for anyone listening, that is equivalent to, let's say you're coaching a game right? And you're coaching for three hours. And then after the three hours out, you actually have to get on the court and play. You're stiff as a board, right? Because you're, you're in this position, right? Yeah, and the blood flow, like you said, the blood flow is different. It is as far as risk for injury. And as far as like, man, I, I just, I just, I, I went from someone who wanted to play like I, into, I just want to get through this. <laughs> I don't think I want right. to do, I, right. I just want to go home. I don't want to do this right now. So yeah, very, very well said. Um, I mean, just, just so I don't forget on the flip side of that, people, it has been proven that if you train earlier in the morning mm-hmm. and you stay consistent, you will thus find yourself having more sustained energy in the latter part of your day. Yes. Meaning yep. your work production goes up. Yeah. Right? It's no different than eating a bunch of bunch of bad, high carb, you know, processed food at your in your lunch break in the middle of the day. Then you go back to work and now we're in that food coma. Right. Yeah. You just you just kind of staring at the computer screen. You're kind of getting the nods off or you're not that into closing that sales call It's because all the blood has rushed from the brain to the stomach to help try to break down all of this heavy, thick carb, you know, sugary food. So if we don't have as much blood flow going to the brain. It means you're not going to think as efficiently or as effectively. It's yeah. been proven as well. If you think I'm lying, go Google it, check it out. It's nah, real. It's, I mean, um, that should be common just, knowledge at this point, right? I mean, should, you yeah. would think. Yeah. I tell you, I tell you what is what, what's not common knowledge anyway either is uh, I, I tell these kids I said, listen, I wish you grew up when we were growing up 
and try to do a book report with no internet. And you got to go to the library and use that damn Dewey Decimal system. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus, yeah. Oh, I mean, my goodness gracious. Yeah, I when I graduated college, because I was a returning adult student, I was at the tail end of that. Like, um, I graduated 2007. Uh, you okay. know, I did a whole bunch of stuff before that. I was in the, I'm was i a Gulf War vet, you know, U.S. Army. Uh, oh, my gosh. Try, hey, tried the whole school thing out one time, dropped out. You know, I wanted to play in NCAA volleyball. My major was volleyball. Right? I didn't really go to class. But right. then... But then 2007 this is when people started using the internet the research but there was so little information our professors told us to go to the library anyway at that time like um especially with for the arts and especially like theater history um or like like uh p let's say you're studying culture of the piano like our, our professors like dude you're at marymount juilliard's across the park go to the library do not do not use use the internet as your source or whatever but now right. the internet's internet's more reliable source because i guess they're archiving all of that stuff that's in the library or whatever and this and that so i could appreciate right. what you're talking about and like how hard that was i was like, I mean, it's like god it's still hard i gotta go over there dude yeah, yeah but i think sure. like what you were talking about exercising in the morning uh, for people listening that's very very big um i used to weigh 265 pounds when I got out of the military, I kind of like blew up a little bit. So in 2001, I took on a trainer and I started eating five times a day, like smaller portions. But Absolutely. but the biggest thing that I changed was one, make sure I eat breakfast because I wasn't eating breakfast. I was only eating twice a day, right? Huge. Yeah. And the second thing was if it's close enough to walk, to range walk, in the military, we have something called range walk where you're okay. like you're just walking really fast um almost to the speed where like the only one to keep the only way to keep up with you is to run <laughs> okay so right, right so i lived in harlem and when i took the train at 72nd street and take instead of waiting for the 72 bus to go from west to east through through the park mm -hmm. i would just walk through the park i would i would time myself i'm like dude this takes 17 minutes so the time it takes for me to wait for the bus and the bus to pick me up and the bus to pick other passengers up, I'm actually beating my time for about three minutes. So I'm it's, like, it's so, more efficient. So every morning was range walk. And then lunchtime, um, I would do 300 crunches and like 100 dips just just for whatever. Right. And then after work, I would train in Central Park because all of the all of the guys who were playing beach tournaments on the weekdays wouldn't go to the beach. They would train in Central Park because they, like you said, they were working stiffs and then right. had to and then right. had to hit the reset button to train after work. So so right. so I did that for a year and lost fifty and lost um well I lost eighty pounds but cumulatively I lost sixty five pounds. I find a nice little resting place at two hundred even. Yeah, I got as low as one eighty six, but I didn't really feel strong. You know what I'm saying? Like Start I'm, I'm yeah, I'm at a tournament at the Pottstown Rumble, and the six-three girl pushes me friendly, and I fall to the ground. Okay, I'm, <laughs> you need, you need, you, you, you need, you, you lost too much muscle. Okay, wow. The whole time she's trying to pick me up, right? So I'm like, geez, okay, I got weak. I, I got, I got too weak. Yes, and I know she's bigger than me, but damn, I'm sexist. No girl <laughs> should push me, and I should fall to the ground like a girl. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm sexist like that, and you I'm didn't also you failed, did you? Yes, huh? You didn't yelp when you felt like, ah! No. Okay. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed, but she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, that's all right, man. Get out of here. So I'll help you up. I'm like, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay here. Let me lay here for a little bit. I'll get up. But um, but that's how I lost the weight. Found found my nice little uh, strength, like 200 even. Uh, when you consider my body mass index, um, that that was appropriate. Like even in the army, even after boot camp, like I was one ninety nine. 
I graduated boot camp oh, wow. and I was 199. And they said with my height at 6'1", I was supposed to be 195. But I'm like, tell me where I'm supposed to lose this weight. <laughs> tell me tell me where else I'm, I'm supposed to lose that. So this, when, when you went into boot camp, where, where were you at when you went into boot camp? Uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. No, no I mean, like, what your weight-wise. like? Oh, I went in 216. 216? Yeah. And I can and I can only do like fifteen push ups. That was crazy. So so boot camp, I graduated, I did forty three in the two minute test, which to everyone thinks is low, but boot camp is not about you maximizing it. It's it's getting you to hit your momentum. Cause after boot camp comes advanced individual training. Uh, where you have to learn about your MOS and there's still drill sergeants there and they still PT you to death. So so by the time I got out of AIT, my two-minute test, I did 62 push-ups. And then by the time I went to my permanent duty station, my I did 72. And I got as high as 98. 98. I, and, wow. I, and I hurt myself. Getting, got me I got 101 because when you get to 98, you know what happens, right? Oh, yeah. You think you can get to 100. You, you, right? you You're going to try. You're going to try to get to 100. And, and I hurt myself getting to 101. Oh. And I was like, so I got, because I wanted to say I did that once in my life. I got it. There was a two minute test and I got to 100 pushups. But, but um, I should have really, 98 should have been enough. Because I could have been, you know what I'm saying? I could have been, um, I could have been leveling that average, you know, but. A lot of pushups. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't, what if, what if I, I, I haven't done pushups in a while, but, but honestly, if. It's in my muscle memory, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you talk in a minute. But it's in my muscle memory. Like if you, if you, if and, and like in your boot camp thing with LA Volleyball Club, right. like if you told me to do forty, I could probably do forty easy because the technique is still there. You know, right? Well, yeah. the, good for you. I tell you, one, one of my one of my long time life goals. Um, Go ahead. I, I can't say if I'm ever gonna achieve it or not, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep fighting for it. I have no idea what number I'm at right now, but I've always wanted to be able to do 100 push-ups straight without stopping. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's it's tough, and you know. You have. I mean, uh, I, I, even I stopped. I did. I do 61 the first minute, 62 the first minute, and then the second minute you kind of only wind up doing 15 or 20. So that's how a lot of people wind up at 80. Muscle fatigue, that lactic acid mm -hmm. starts creeping in and yep. taking over, and it it. But then, it the, then the rest position too. That's eat right. The, like you said, that lactic that that acid buildup. Oh, sorry, guys. No, and I'm I'm pushing you know, 230 pounds on, on the, in terms of push-ups. Like I might be a little lighter right now. Yeah. Uh, just you know, just because of the change of my own personal life and having my boys more, mm -hmm. and you know, with COVID changing and closing all the gyms down and ever since they they reopened the gym facilities i've still been very afraid to go back into to the gym uh and my biggest reason is i see guys my size and bigger with a face towel you know it's, it's just a little just a little washcloth they they're gonna put that down on their back which covers just one rear deltoid it doesn't cover the entire back they're sweating everywhere and the gym is not enforcing people to bring towels in. I'm like, why are you not making people bring towels in? Like, have you not been watching? Does your TVs not work just for people who work right, here? Yeah. And they say, no, we can't enforce that. I'm like, how can you not? You can't enforce people bringing towels or putting towels out, but you can enforce people taking pictures. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, come on. But it's absurd. 24-hour yeah. fitness. I just want to put that out there. Oh, the one on, um, there's oh, one on in the Ocean South Park. Bay. Okay. The yeah. one on Ocean Park, at least okay. that that is it, that particular gym right over here in Santa Monica. Um, how the other ones are are moving about? Uh, that's another question. I you know I'm a creature of habit and I stay close to home and I uh, 
I like my little block of area where I where I move around and I got my parks that you know everybody knows me the 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 park rangers and stuff nobody harasses me when I'm out training and working with my clients. Yeah, it's a normal um, day. Yeah, it's, it's it's a normal day. Um, but yeah, that particular 24 hour fitness, my recommendation to you if you do venture there, bring your own towel and not a little washcloth or one to wash the baby's face with. Yeah. Bring a nice big bath towel so you can cover the bench and even still after you're done. Please spray it down and show some respect for others who don't want to get your heebie-jeebies. Oh my God! Well said, well said. Be um, I want to move on to uh, to some fun stuff. We were talking about our fears at the end, but I want to talk. Go back to kids, um, yeah. and have this conversation of um, growth, uh, positive reinforcement versus tough love, right? Um, I have a player, a coach, a club coach. His name is James Barker. He's uh, coaches four three two or something like that in Texas. And he's over the years he's worked up where like good players are now trying out for his team, and he's got kind of this 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 this. He's a, he's a um, he's ex military like me, okay. but he's like a real, he's like dude. I was a generator mechanic. This dude's a savage. He was a Black Hawk operator. All right, helicopter, you know, helicopters going in, hosing people down, dropping, dropping the air assault team. You know, see, he's he's one of those dudes, like straight up 11 Bravos. Right. So um, so he is from Texas okay, and he's a tough love dude. And there are some parents that don't like that because they think it makes the kid feel bad about themselves. And there's some parents that are like. Dude, no, my kid, my kid needs a good old Texas kick in the ass to get going. So, right. so the cool thing is, you, I, if you have enough parents that support you, no matter what you do, it kind of works for you. But, um, and I told James, like sometimes you are a hard ass, and sometimes, sometimes you do say some things that do make kids feel bad about themselves. When, if you say it a different way, it's still tough, right? Um, like I'll give you an example, right? Like. If there's hitting lines, right? But I want the person to pass, and the girl behind her is too close, or 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 for adults, for boys or whatever. And if the guy's too close, I would say something like, "Hey, you want to give him some space, please? Do you, you want to buy? Are, are, why are you that close? Are you going to buy him a drink? You know what I'm saying? So, right, so right. that's the way I could say it. That doesn't make them feel bad about themselves. It's still tough. That's still my way of saying, move the f out the way, move, move, right? right. Um, but at the same time. It's it's something where you have something to work off of, right? It's like they they look where they are and they're just like, yeah, he's I'll move. he's right, I'll move. So, um, but I told James this. I told James to tell the parents this, and this is for James to take, and this is for you you to to, to take the floor to take the this magic carpet ride one. Um, no championship team has had exclusively one or the other. Now, whatever percentage that winds out, like John Mayer, he's a growth mindset person. He's a head coach at LMU. In fact, they're playing yeah. right now. He's on. Um, uh, they're they're doing the WCCs, which I think they're going to win. They're probably going to be peppered on. They're going to beat the brakes off of them. Oh, he's wow. he's a growth mindset guy. Okay. And he'll he'll go to the NCAA's, but he ain't going to win. He's he's one of the my closest, as far as closest coach friends are concerned uh, at the NCAA level, he's as close a friend as I'm going to have, except for Sam Schweitzky, who um, Princeton just won for men's indoor. So they're going to the NCAAs and he's actually going to come on the show. But, um, wow. but, but he's he, different because he played for Hunter High School and I was a coach there in New York. So, um, so that's how far back I go. So, but um, you have some coaches that are hardcore and if they have enough talent, they'll make it to the finals and win because the people they recruit already know that going in. 
right. that doesn't always win either. So I told James to tell the parents that neither one, you win some games and, and, you're, and you're raised good human beings uh, uh, with either approach. But, but to win championships requires a healthy balance what a kid's willing to accept and, and knowing their coach and the coach knowing their players. The floor is yours because you, you, I see those wheels turning right now. Well, you know, what was the, what, let's, let me start by this saying that what was the, what were the two terms that you're, you're looking at? Tough love versus tough love versus growth, uh, positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement, like that's okay. Now, next play or tough love. Like you should know better next play. Right. And I just wanted to make sure I had the two terms down correctly. And here's my thing. I think the, the best situation is a balance of both. You need both. Um, and I say that because positive reinforcement, depending on the variable in the equation in terms of who we're giving this to. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh and also what they want, right? What I mean, I should have I should have premised that before I had you answer this. What do they want? Are are they think are we thinking championship? Are we thinking just, you know, well, you to, know and raising better human beings or whatever? That's that's that's, a, that's another good variable to throw in there, right? What do they want? But again, it, it still falls back to at least for me anyway. Mm -hmm. It falls back to the variable in the equation in terms of who of who we're dealing with in terms of coach to player, um, and. You know, everybody's going to respond differently to tough love versus positive reinforcement um, with it all surrounding what it is they ultimately want out of what we're doing. Um, and, you know, for some guys and some kids, positive reinforcement because of the environment that they grew up in, what they were exposed to at a very young age. I, for me, I don't it it, it may resonate. But at the end of the day, and that's not resonate. It may get the point across, but it won't resonate because they need something more, something that's a little bit more tangible, right? And positive. Oh, great job! You know, we'll get it next time. the The reality of it is, for some kids, if there is a next time, you know. So, yeah. Again, I I think it depends on the coach, uh, and you know, how they were groomed, how they were trained, how they came up um, and their experiences. And, and what I mean by their experiences in terms of this environment, all of it, the good, the bad, the indifferent, because this is what makes the, the very things, the very experiences of those things is what makes the essence of that coach, right. that mentor, that coach mentor relationship uh, with our young athletes. And again, the same applies to the athlete themselves. Yes. What the kids have or don't have coming in. Sorry. No, 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 but I'm, I'm glad you jumped in because it matters. And part of our job, I feel, as, as the strength and conditioning coach, as the position coach, as the mentors, part of our job, one of the unique things about what we do is the ability to identify and recognize who we're dealing with and what it takes to get that message across. Because this, the message that I'm going to give you is going to be a little different than I'm going to give this person over here. Right. But it's all going to revolve around tough love, because at, at some point I got to drive the point home or I need you to move and get somebody in who's going to give me what I need. Yep. Right. And, and one of the biggest, if I may be so bold to say one of the worst things to be 
as a player for a coach is inconsistent. Yeah. I am so seeing, sorry. Seeing a different version of that person every practice. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because it bounces around. But at the end of the day, when we when we get to real sports, right, and what I mean by real sports, not to say that club is not real with club, because club in terms of youth sports is as real as it gets, right? Uh, but when we get to that next level, you know, we're now we're not talking about so much you know, if one kid on the club team leaves, they might pull three or four more kids with them. So now, in terms of revenue, our money has dropped. Hmm. Right now, I might not have as much money to pay this other this other coach that has one of my teams, or to get more equipment, or to rent this facility. But when we get to real sports, competitive college and beyond, man, listen, you either get it together, or you, or, do, or you do not. You sit right here and watch this other person who you might not like so much as a person, but I know who I'm getting. And this is what we talk in terms of consistency. Are you really, as a coach, going to want to put a child out there who on Monday they work their tail off, on Tuesday they barely work at all, on Wednesday they're kind of working, but they're distracting everybody else. On Thursday, no call, no show. Oh, man. But on paper. Right. Is the best player on the club. Yes. Yep. And but, but what do we do? But, but to what end? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do we do? Well, in and, volleyball, you have the decisions easier because, I mean, at the end of the game, it takes the whole team to win, right? Like football. But uh, every I mean, team sport. Yeah. yeah. And that, and, that, and that's like, the beauty. It like takes every, yeah. everybody. Every and Bill Belichick said it again. I'll go back to Bill Belichick. He's again a big, yeah. I'm a huge fan of his. But he says, you know, do your job well. I can't worry. I can't run over here and try to help you over here, and I haven't taken care of my job over here. Yep. Well, he now, was. He was, but he was also speaking in terms of don't be out there in the, in the game, um, trying to do more than what you usually are do that you're already good at. Don't don't try to don't dumb it down. Dumb, dumb the moment down. Do your job right. So it's, so it means so many things. But I like I it like your assertion okay, first. But let's let's peel some of that back right and take it back down to the to the to the grassroot level if yep. you will yeah there's there's that same kid that has all the raw talent skills abilities got the height the size but they're so inconsistent but then when they turn around and have the audacity to try to tell somebody else how to do their job or want to go and try to help somebody else to do their job and you haven't taken care of your own responsibility yeah and that's implosive that, you didn't even show up to practice last week yeah that's implosive and you know what take what you just said multiply it by five and that is girls and women's volleyball it's so again i'm sounding sexist but it's so volatile because the philosophy or what all the studies are showing and i, and I don't use i hate using that word because uh, if i if i'm not looking at the study i'm not vetting it and i don't know who reviewed it and, and i don't know the lurking variables i don't like using the word study show but I'll, I'll say it here so forgive me um men they're, they, they're inspired by leadership and individual leadership and performance. Women are inspired by sisterhood, uh, the, the, the chain that keeps them together. And like you said, when you have someone who's uber talented, but at the same time, it maybe has a rotten attitude or maybe feels like they're doing whatever, maybe threatening to leave, maybe have parents that, that are not with the situation. It is the beginning of the end of, yeah. of the, the entire nucleus of players, which will implode. And you know, and you know what the, the most challenging thing for a coach is? Because 
they're 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 um they're engaged and their success uh have a, is contingent on sisterhood. Whatever happens ba uh, badly or whatever, the coach doesn't really see coming. Most coaches and women's volleyball don't see like Matt Furbringer. Right. He got fired in the middle of his season at Long Beach State University. And my theory is they lost to Cal Bakersfield 3-0 that night, that same night. I, man, I'll bet you they had a, a locker room brawl. I bet you there were a whole bunch of there was. I bet you there were hunks of hair all over that locker room. And I bet oh, wow. and I'll bet that he and his um, well, he wasn't even a head coach. His wife, Joy, was. So for, forgive me. Sorry about that, Matt. But but. Joy had to go. Matt had to go. Right. You're not going to keep the husband. Right. <laughs> so. Right, um, right. So. But my guess is my bet is it was a situation that they didn't see coming, but they had to fall on the sword because they were the head coach. Guys, you see that coming a mile away. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Go, go sit down. Or right. or like me, I'm old school. I grabbed the both of them. I'm like, I don't care who started it. You said that energy for the game. You, do you, right. Do you do you freaking right. do you freaking understand me? You know, because I I mean I'm again, I look like I'm young, but I'm 51, and we're very do we're very much alike as far as whipping people back. But right. but women's right. is scary like that because there's so much. Unless the girls say, "Coach, I need to talk to you." Right. Or, and, you know, I never you don't see it coming, but you got to fall on that sword. <laughs> right. You have to. You know, I will say this. I've, I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of young women through the years, as long as I've been, you know, in strength and conditioning and fitness. Um, with the exception of coaching elementary sports uh, and having me an a, a all-girls basketball team, um, this is my first real goal in terms of real competitive club sports with uh, the Los Angeles Volleyball Club team and, and our girls' teams out there. Um, and in a lot of respects, you know, I'm very well aware of my antics and my energy when I'm working with young men. Get it. And you'll hit the money on the head. They they vibe off of that, especially football teams. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's the the rules of engagement in terms of holding young ladies accountable um, for what they do or don't do. Uh, it's definitely a, a different ball of wax. Um, and even though that's different ball of wax, the message and the outcome is still the same. Well, yeah, winning and losing has no um, feelings. <laughs> right, I mean, right, true. But I mean, in terms of either the attaboy and the accolades, right, and, and, the, and the high fives and the pats on the back, or holding somebody accountable and ripping them up one side and down the other. Mm -hmm. You know, when you said, you know, the, the, the girls, they, they come together and they're here and this is how it goes. But again, one, one of those persons in that link is the one with all the natural raw talent, ability and skills and who can probably get away not paying full, full attention to what's going on. But what about the others? Hmm. And so now I get even more offended when I see that happening, male or female, because now I call that person selfish, you know, and, and I don't never want to put nobody on blast per se, but if you make me, I have no problem doing it. Yeah. Just, just a quick case in point, um, you know, early on when I first came on with the club and I was addressing the team about something and, you know, they're circled around me and I'm talking kind of this way and somebody's talking behind my back. So I just stopped talking and turn around. I was like, okay, what did you say? 
Yeah. And just get share, quiet. Share it with the room. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. Like, it was so important for you to say while I'm in the middle of talking to everyone, mm-hmm. why don't you come on up here and say it right now? Let's do it. And they were quiet, had nothing to say. And I made it very clear to establish my point and my precedent why I'm here. Listen, don't get it confused. I'm here for one reason and one reason only. And if you're going to be so rude and disrespectful to disrupt what I have to say, because what you're gossiping about is more important than what I'm saying, do me a favor, do one of two things. Come up here and share it or leave. Those, Yeah, that's your dichotomy. That's those are the, those, at that point, it's the only two options. Because you, it, look, it. no, but it's, it's, I don't care if you're women. I don't care what psychological motivation you need to help you guys win. But the one thing that's paramount, the one, the one thing that's a common denominator is you have to nip that at the bud early. Because right if you and don't, because if you don't, it sets a precedent that that's okay. Uh, and, 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 and there's not a damn study in the world that I'm going to read or agree with that says anything different than what I just said right now. And, and listen, and, and that was my point, Jake. And, and for that right there, setting that precedent, for me, it's not about male, female, this sport or that sport. Now we're going back again to sheer other life, right? And that's the beauty of team sports and having these relationships with our young athletes and how it prepares them for what's going to happen at some point when they're done with this ride in terms of sports, Right. There's a certain level of respect that's given. You want respect, you gotta give. Respect is given, then earned. Yes. Right. It goes, it goes both ways. And that is exactly how any kids that I work with, we're gonna establish this right now. Or you're gonna not like me more than you're already not gonna like me for what I'm going to have to te- have to teach you and show you how to do to become a competitive variable in your craft, whatever that may be. Yeah. Now, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to do a taste test, and this is this is a fun way to try this out. Next time you got your team and they looking tired, ask them. Say, hey, who's tired? Nobody better say me, because I've tried to make it become a habit for them. Now, we have to train in a certain way. It's not some it, obviously the physical part of it matters. But it's the connection between the physical and the mental that makes the difference in these hard-fought battles, not only on the court, but in life in general. Very well said. Very well said. Now, I like that um, that Jason has enlisted um, these like-minded personalities that we all have a path to doing it. But when you look at the actual finish line and and like how we all finish we all it, it, it finishes all the same and it's great that all of these girls um even now like because i like to evaluate this stuff at the end of the season like after nationals even now i just see this 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 sports maturity and i also see this this um psychological maturity that goes beyond the age of 13 like my like like i'll, I'll highlight some people i like because i don't have to do last names like sierra my setter Mm-hmm. That is the oldest. That's the oldest thirteen-year-old I ever met. You know, she's an academic. She's a Renaissance person because she's an academic. She's an athlete. She can she can do all of these things, right? So she's right. someone, and 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 this is where sports is important because if you are like that in every facet, as far as getting your career and getting what you want, there's someone that's going to notice you. That might there's someone that might want to hire her as an attorney that might have seen her play college ball that is going to get her right. a job. Right. right. You ever see the movie Renaissance Man? Danny DeVito? 
Yeah, a long time ago. I don't remember it very well. Well, Danny DeVito, he's, got, uh, couldn't, he's an ad age guy that couldn't find a job, so he got a job trying to teach Shakespeare to army kids, like in boot camp, right? So so there was one guy that didn't want to get in sports because sports never got him a civil service job. So he told him a story about this guy who was a scholar, who was this poet, who was this writer, who was this author, and, and God knows what else, and should have been recognized by the world. He says, but the one reason he remembered him is he can stand in front of you and without a running start, literally jump over your head <laughs> and stick the landing. And he said, and if that guy couldn't do that, he wouldn't remember a damn thing about that guy. So, so this is, you know, as far as the importance of sports, sports builds character, sports builds discipline. Like we, we were just talking about being, respecting other people's time, coming on time, showing a discipline, respect for your elders, respect for your coach, given, like you said, give and learn respect. But it is definitely an outlet to things that people think were, think one thing has nothing to do with the other. I live in the South Bay, dude. Let me tell you something. You play a sport at USC and you decide to live in the South Bay, you're a made man, okay? You, really? you don't have to earn your money selling real estate. They're giving you money up front to walk in the door to sell a house, right? So, yeah, you're, you're, it is – look, I, I go outside and I can walk five blocks and I'm going to see USC flags. All right. <laughs> I saw Harvard flag. Cool. My wife's an alum. God bless. I went to I went to Marymount, Manhattan. You ain't going to see none of those. I saw some LMU flags and you see some USC, UCLA. But the South Bay is USC heavy. Do you know there would be public crucifixions if they ever cut the men's team for USC? Because there's, there's no Husky flags out there. There's no there's no yes. flags out there. Yes, there's some Husky flags. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say now. Don't have me move over there. No Husky. Uh, <laughs> it ain't Husky Nation, but Huskies um, is really like. No, they're all over the place. Like, if I had to bring another sport, right? Like, I could go to a soccer game, like a World Cup game. I'm going to see a bunch of people with Yankee hats in that game, right? Oh, for sure. You ain't going to see a lot of pe people with FIFA hats at a Yankee game. So, I mean, so there's Absolutely. some things there's some things that trend. There's some uh, teams or, or programs that transcend the sport. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and, and I'm, I'm honestly hoping that volleyball can do that. It's not. I'm gonna out some people on this podcast. It ain't gonna happen anytime soon because right now the people who are in charge are not ex of what I would call inclusive. So, and there's no way you can have you can trend you can have transcendence without inclusiveness, without recognizing other people who want to help, who are actually good good in their wheelhouse. Uh, um, and 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 you keep, but you keep them on the outside in. Uh, here, here's another example, and you'll love this one. And I don't know. God knows I don't know how long you got. Man, we're like an hour and a half in. But um, um, I got like 10. I got to go pick my boys up from good, school. That, good, because I can sneak in that last question at the end. That'll make us both laugh. Both laugh. <laughs> um, all right. You can be the kind of person where if you go to a bar in Texas and the women's volleyball game's on, you ask the bartender to turn it on ESPN, and then people watch, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody's into it, right? Or... You could be a group of people, right? And you just choose to watch it on your laptop with just your people. And no one in the bar knows the game is happening. So that's how is anybody supposed to take interest? How are we supposed to generate new fans? In fact, how are we supposed to even generate people who play the sport? Where where they're they're where we're chopped up in these these communities that are the um I'm not gonna say communities because the community on a, on a lower level they're all inclusive. I go to Florida. Let me tell you something. They got love. I went to New Orleans. Man, New Orleans versus all y'all as far as competition is concerned. But with the but when the tournament's over, we're all dancing together. New York, where the AVP is not going this year, we got love for all, man. We got we got a huge immigration population that wins men's indoor nationals almost every year. 
We have such a great immigration population. USAV Nationals, they have a separate division. It's not called Men's Open anymore. They have to have open so the, so the kids can win. And then, and then you got pro. So, um, so for, for, for example, for them not to have it there because it's too expensive, because New York's charging too much, shows me, one, you're not ready. You're not ready to be big time. You're not ready to be a big time player, and you're not ready to advance your sport. Also, when people are on podcasts saying good riddance, I didn't want to go to New York anyway, that shows you. I mean, here's what they, New York, hey, New York, here's what they think about you. You know what I'm saying? How is right. that How is that helping your sport? And and how are you going to be the same the same person to be like oh if we want to do better we should support each other you know some of these people make me sick sometimes and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop there because I feel like I feel like um, I'm I'm not gonna edit any of this so I made a decision not to edit any of this so I'm just gonna stop. Um, There's something to be said about raw footage. Yes. You know and and I mean that that's you know I believe if if I'm if I may be someone I'm going to jump on and take a leap of faith here and say we are one of the last countries that do so much in terms of censorship you know and I feel the problem with that is if we don't give it as it is right there's so many different personalities and and minds and how people break down information mm-hmm. that if we leave that up to the masses to figure it out, which you can see with a lot of things, um, we get so many different interpretations and different messages that the actual point of what's going on and how it's trying to be answered or resolved gets completely lost because it gets morphed because people are trying to fill in the blanks on their own uh, to make that complete sentence or to finish that paragraph or to answer these these open-ended questions uh, instead of just giving that raw footage, that raw information. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I, I, can, I can parlay that into sports as well, you know. Good, because we're going to keep it about sports because I want this to be a sports episode, but it's, it was important what you said. Well, I mean, because, again, for that, parlaying that into sports because it's, it's a real thing in sports. Uh, from our perspective, being coaches, mentors, uh, and, and, and beyond, when we're talking with our young athletes and we're trying to explain to them, but we're so worried about hurting their feelings. You know, I mean, listen, there's a way to get that raw message across and not be an a-hole, not be that, that, that D-bag, but still drive the point home so there's no misunderstanding of what's being said. Amen. And and I, I, I get fired up when I think about that because I've had so many experiences through the years. Case in point, uh, coaching my little league baseball team, we were having practice one day and, you know, a parent comes up to me and, and their whole point was, you know, coach, gosh, there's a lot of negativity out there today. Like you were really yelling a lot and wasn't really saying anything positive. And my immediate reaction was turning to them and saying, well, did you see anything positive? So you want me to go out there and lie to the kids? No. I'll tell you what, you go lie to them. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, let's not. I like that. And they were so taken back by my response. And, you know, I'm a little bigger than the parent was. And so you can see, like, they kind of started backing up and kind of, you know, consoling themselves with their hands and doing this type thing. And right as this interaction is happening, four more parents came up before our interaction ended, their, their, their words were, 
Coach Lewis, man, we love what you're doing with the kids. You're stern, but you're fair, and you're whipping these kids into shape, and they get it. They're seeing it. And as they're saying these, these nice things, which in a brief moment when the parent kind of, you know, brought up the negative aspect, it, it kind of sat beside me because the last thing I want to do is, is offend anyone. I don't care about hurting your feelings, but I don't want to offend you. Right. For me, there's a, there's, a, there's a fine difference between offending someone and hurting their feelings. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and then being truthful about what's happening. And if I allow my athletes to believe the lie that they're telling themselves about they can't make that play or they couldn't make that play or they were afraid to make that play, then guess what? It's all true. Hmm. Yep. There it and is. So these other parents came up and was given their two cents about, you know, how they felt the practice was going. And, you know, now, you know, I have aspirations of being a stand-up comic. So when this was going on, please I'm call at me when you do your open mic, please. <laughs> I gotta come. You need so you need someone in the audience on your side. And I, and, and with this with this Jufro, yo, you could roast you could roast me. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, look. I've been working on material for about thirty-five years, and every time I walk out my front door, I'm getting new stuff because the world is just kind to have people in the in the street to give me material. I just haven't put it all in an organized format yet, but one day, one day, people, it will come out on all social media that. Lewis Jones, Coach Lou, Big Lou, the host of the Sports Lounge on AM 1290 KZSB and 96.9 FM. <laughs> One night only. I got to be there for it because it's going to be epic. It might be a one and done, but I promise you, if they give me a, I'll be lucky to get a 30 minute set. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got to you got to really be established to get those type of sets. Well, sevens, I, I, get, do some sevens, do a whole bunch of sevens. I'll, I'll and get just, a, you know, I have and, some friends that are, I have some friends that are comedians. One of my very close friends is uh, Maz Jobrani. For those of you who may not know who Maz Jobrani is, if you've ever seen Next Friday, or I believe it's Friday After Next, he's yeah. the owner of Holy Moly Donut Holy Shop. Holy Moly, That's yeah, okay. That's my man right there. But you can also find a bunch of his, uh, his, his shows on Netflix as well. But, you know, while all this was going down with these parents, I'm looking over at this other parent who was really trying to, to, to tell me uh, about how negative I was being with the kids. And... It was just, it was, it was the perfect timing to validate that I know what I'm doing. I, I know sometimes it's uncomfortable for parents to sit, to sit back and watch their kids get ripped up one side and down another. And there's nothing positive being said, but I have a philosophy. It's not my job to stroke your child. That's your job. No. My job is to teach your child how to be bigger, faster, stronger, more efficient at their craft in whatever sport that that is. And sometimes if they're not putting out what we know, and what I mean by we know, that means the coach, that means the parent, and that means most importantly, the player, the athlete themselves. If they're not putting it out there, it's my job to do one or two things, pull it out or get you to find something else to do. There it is. Hey, before we go, let's talk about, um, we had this fun conversation about phobias or fears. Um, yeah. I'm going to come clean. Mine is clowns. All right. And we, we had this little funny thing about homie the clown that kind of cured yours or whatever. But I still, <laughs> you can't, dude, you cannot take me to the circus. All right. I, clowns. And for a long time, midgets. And I'm, I have to correct the term. <laughs> Um, like the, I know the midgets. Technical term, this is, you know, the technical term now is, um, little people, but that's worse. 
That's Man, worse, I'm with, right? I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, what do you? I, mean, I hate to say, what do you call him? Because I sound like a bigot, but but, no, but I guess not. I am. You Look, did. guys, for people listening, guys, I am not a racist, but I am a bigot. No. All right, I, 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 I'm a bigot against clowns, and, and and I just I cured my problem with midgets a couple of years ago. Tiny, tiny people, little people, uh, a couple of years ago. But go ahead, sorry. Well, I don't know. I just heard that that was the the the, the technical. Type. I could be completely no, but it's, wrong. It, no, you heard right. I'm just I, saying. I how is that better? No, you're right. That is the that is the term. But my question was, man, who loses on that comparison? <laughs> Listen, you know, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this because I I love these games and I I play little fun trivia games and do stuff like this on my show as well. <laughs> and you know, I I'm a huge fan of throwing myself under the bus. Yes. And I've learned through the years that if 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 I just beat everybody to the punch and yep. throw myself under the bus, what do you have to talk about about me? It's oh, almost no. like the whole thing on, on at the end of uh, 8 Mile with, with yes. Eminem. I know everything he's battle. about to say against he, me. He, he put it all out there. Yeah. Now what? Now Here, take this. Now what are you going to say? Yeah, right? I and like that. Same, and I have that same concept about myself. So I, I'm not afraid to say, I don't do insects, people. You said spiders, right? Right. I don't do insects. I especially don't do spiders. Okay. Partic particularly spiders. Yes. Now, it's one thing for me to see a spider. Am I going to freak out and say, oh, oh, maybe not. I say maybe because it's been known to happen. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> got I it. But I will say this. I, I, I cannot stand spider webs. Oh, Lord. It's the worst. You see one in the house. You're like. No, it's, it's not even see it. It's walking through one. So I'll share a story with you guys real quick. Um, I, I meet a young lady. I go out on a date and we have coffee. You know, we have a little something to eat and we're getting better acquainted. It's a first date. We're getting better acquainted. But I've, I've already shared with her that, you know, my lack of ability to swim. Listen, people, I'm not afraid of the water. I just know for a fact that if I get in the water at a certain point, I'm going down. It's going to be bad. Dude, you're a piece of lead. You, you, you can paddle all you want. You're going to the bottom. Continue. Listen, I'm, <laughs> contrary to popular opinion, life vests don't always work. I'm just going to say that. Not if the life <laughs> vest is attached to an anvil. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and so we're eating and, you know, we we kind of, we, we, meet, we had met on one of these dating app things. And just so happens that we live relatively close to one another. Okay. And so we finished eating and, you know, she really enjoyed going for a walk. And it's kind of like, like therapy, right? Who doesn't like to go for a nice walk and just kind of, you know, smell life, you know, going back to that whole saying, like taking time to smell the roses. Right. And so that's what we did. I don't go for a walk at all. People like if, if again, if I'm doing something, I'm doing it with the point of getting it done expeditiously. And yes. Kind of, I, I want to say, I like to say this. I learned that word and how to use it in the proper context. Free Mr. For Clark. No, man, no, you already know not it. Lean on me. Lean on me. With yes. Sam's heel on the top, he said, if you're going to jump, yes. go ahead. You're going to kill yourself. Do it expeditiously. You smoke like, crack, oh. don't you, boy? <laughs> <laughs> Look at me oh. when I'm talking to you. Do you or do you not smoke yeah, crack? It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> that um, was where I got it from. And Morgan That's Freeman looked old back then. Jeez, that was 1987. He looked like an old dude back then. Right, he ain't <laughs> No, but saying, sorry, you finish. I wanted no. you to finish because you're the one that has the go. So I wanted you to finish your story. All right. All right. So um, we uh we finish eating and we start going for a walk in in this local neighborhood, uh, this close neighborhood, and uh, we're walking and we you know I I already in my head 
I already know what's happening. Like, I'm freaking out in my head. I'm like, because it's, it's a little dark. It's a little breezy. And we're walking in between bushes. Like, you know, one is on the side and the other one's right by people's, you know, front grass or the front lawn. And that's, 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 a, that's, that's notorious for spiderweb. Anytime you're walking in between bushes and trees and stuff, spiderweb. So I'm thinking to myself, Lord, please, Lord, just don't let me walk no. into a spiderweb because I'm going to lose my S if I do. No, I know it. And so I explained to her, I said, hey, listen, I don't do spiders. I don't do spider webs. And I'm telling you right now, she's like, oh, Lewis, you'll be fine. It's okay. And right as she's saying that, we hit a spider web. And we were walking. She was holding my arm. But I'll tell you guys, she, she, she's got my, her arm into my arm. And we're walking. And I'm trying to do my thing. And when I hit this spider web, I just flew. Oh, 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 spider, spider. And she's laughing hysterically. And, then, you know, I used to cut a couple of choice adjectives. And I'm like, this S is not funny. I told you I don't do spiders. The best part is for the next three hours, I kept feeling spider webs all over me. And I don't know why. I just, I don't do spiders, people. That's yeah. and, and I especially don't do spider webs. A spider, that, but that's how it. I felt with mimes. Like mimes look like clowns, right? Right. And then and they don't and, talk. You, and you walking down the street and the mimes trying to imitate you and you walk. They start walking with you. Start running. They start running with you. I'm like, dude, I'm you're gonna catch a two piece. <laughs> back, back. You have no idea what you you're doing to me right now. Mine, but the spider, your spider's turn is hilarious. it's 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 bad and you know it's it's funny because. I don't have a problem with spiders per se. I'm lying. I totally do. Uh, and when I see a spider, I immediately get sweaty and I just want to just smash his face in. And people say, oh, you know, but spiders are good for the environment. Says a person who's never been bitten by a, a, a pretty robust spider. <laughs> like when you meet a spider, have you ever seen a spider just walking on two legs and the other six are just kind of hanging? Uh, no. <laughs> right. That, okay. You, you see my problem. No. Wow. Now, if this, this could have just been a bad dream or Dude. whatever, but it was very I'm, real to me. Look, it, I'm sure they, I don't know, maybe they're like bears. Maybe they do do that. I'm just like, I don't, I'm like, wow. When they start walking like us, it's over. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. And the last thing I'm going to let him do is, is, you know, get the rest of his legs involved. So I got to dismiss him with extreme prejudice. Oh, God. So, uh actually before we go i wanted to show a picture of jason like our program director because we mentioned him a bunch of times so so this is our program director this this is a guy this is jason Nalo. he's a all-american uh when he played for you university of hawaii big time like world-class model i'm not sure if it was versace or ralph Lauren, and then yeah. and then did the soap the soap operas right and did all my children and then now, what Tyler Perry's um, House of Pain, all that stuff. So, yep. big shout out to our program director who's who arranged this meeting of the minds between you and me because it is an absolute pleasure knowing you, my man. Man, I, I am very grateful for uh, Coach Jo bringing me on as a part of LAVBC, and it has you know opened up my world to you know become friends and associates and coworkers with the likes of yourself and our other amazing staff like. The staff at, at, at Los Angeles Volleyball Club is so amazing. They all have so many great things and unique things to bring to the table. Um, it's the essence. I, I look at it as an essence of, of, of a fitness, competitive sports gumbo 
pot. Yeah. And also we we're competitive in and what and and our as far as like our strongest suits. Yeah. It's very competitive with the coaches. Like look, the most experienced coach is me. The best coach is Kamalu. <laughs> the best coach is Kamalu and not because she has the best team that's been playing together for a bunch of years. No, like, no that hey, that it's, her temperament the, her voice and flesh and yeah. it's it's so but she's not but she's not just this good mechanic in a room full of ferraris that little 24 year old woman not little she's like six feet tall is a real coach that girl is is a real she's not because there's some coaches you they 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 you, look they they got great players and 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 then they get they get they get exposed when they start playing other teams as good as them no sure. this girl and her game plan and her maturity Man, God bless this young lady. And she's 24. 24. Coaching, like, coaching know, like an old lady. I wouldn't be surprised to see her, you know, if if that's what she wants to do. And from what I gather, she, it appears this she way. Should 100%. Be. She deserves an, she, she deserves a division one job. Coaching circuit for a long time. And, you know, whether she stays with LAVBC or she moves on to the professional ranks or whatnot, yeah. you know, the beauty of what she does and how she does it mm -hmm. is I can foresee her. It's her choice, whatever she wants. Yeah. Um, She's Dude, she's like she's like a rap star where grown men are begging her to take her on tour, take them on tour, right? <laughs> she's got that kind of youth youth star appeal. I really like her, and so do you. And I like and you, my brother. Um, tell tell us a, your um about your sports show as a plug before we get out of here, because you're uh, you're the sports lounge. And you also, you, got, yeah, you got, I, and you sent me a notice on new on a new partnership as well. Yeah, um, I'm super excited about the partnership. I, you know, I have a sports talk radio show, and then we take from the show and put it on all podcast sites as well. It's the Sports Lounge with Big Blue. It's on AM twelve ninety KZSB and ninety six point nine FM. We're also streaming now. We're now streaming nationally. So we're 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 in Connecticut. We're in New York as well. Uh, Santa a Santa Barbara News Press Radio is also owned by the New York Times as well. So there's some connection there with New York uh, for you. Uh, and we're also streaming on Radio Candy Radio here in L.A., uh, eventually, you know, pushing to, to get on more terrestrial radio uh, around the country soon. We're really close to closing some deals. We're making that happen. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, and then Los Angeles just now entered major league rugby so we have a major league rugby team, yes. rugby team here in la the los angeles guiltinis last year was their first year of existence in the major in the mlr which is major league rugby and they did nothing short but go out and win the major league rugby championship um that said i am the and i am now the first radio partner in the broadcast network for the los angeles guiltinis it's a huge honor i'm super uh, excited, elated, overjoyed, overwhelmed, um, and having so much fun with it. Um, you know, it's a great collaboration. Again, we're growing and please get opportunity, follow the show. You can email the show where uh, on Instagram, it's at TSL big Lou. Uh, the email is big Lou at TSL big Um, and again, we're on all podcast sites. There's a YouTube channel. If you just search the Sports Lounge with Big Lou, you'll see all the past shows. Uh, and, you know, we always give a little teaser for the shows that are coming up for that coming week. Uh, just FYI, 
the next show coming up. I, I missed him for this live show on this coming Monday, but we're going to get his show recorded anyway. Mike Pereira, VP of officiating for the NFL. He's also the head official yeah. for the USFL. Uh, uh, a good friend of mine who's a heavyweight boxer, Johnny Rice, will be on the show this Monday. Um, and every week we'll have something going on with the uh, with the Los Angeles Guiltinis. I am the, – the Sports Lounge is the Guiltinis' home for Guiltinis' news, updates, interviews, ticket promotions, giveaways, and so much more. So do yourself a favor if you're a fan of rugby, uh, if you're just a fan of sports in general, or just a fan of me. Either way, uh, all three is a win-win-win. Doesn't happen too often in business, but here's an opportunity for that to happen. Tag, follow the show, subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, and let's grow this thing as big as it can grow because we all win because we're all in this together. Nice. Uh, I like that. And it'll be some fun. And we're doing huge ticket promotions. We want to get as many people down to the Coliseum. The Guiltinis play their home matches at the Los Angeles Coliseum, and they have a motto, and that motto is we want fans in the stands with cans in their hands. You can't <laughs> beat that. No. I love. I can't stop saying it. I promote it every chance I get. Um, so make sure you guys come out. I know May 8th is the next home match. It's a huge match. Um, it's a battle of first place for the Western Conference. May 8th is Mother's Day weekend. So I'm sure a lot of you will be doing some wonderful things with your mom. But if your mom happens to be in the contact sports and you want to do something outside and safe, Get a hold of me, follow the show, come to the uh, Los Angeles Coliseum May 8th uh, and be a part of a great Sunday afternoon and watching rugby. Uh, it's going to be a fun match. Uh, and matter of fact, I'm going to have a big booth down there as well in the fun zone of the Coliseum. You come take pictures with me, with some of our guillotines, autographs. Again, more promotions, ticket giveaways for future games. It's going to be an absolute blast. I promise you don't want to miss it. If nothing else, you'll get to see me work on some of my stand-up while I'm there. Uh, because, again, don't forget my aspirations of being a stand-up comic. I do think I'm pretty funny, but, you know, that's my own personal opinion. No, we're going to find out soon enough. <laughs> yeah, you will. Listen, two wrongs don't make a right, but three rights will make a left. Oh, I know some of you, are, some of you are thinking right now, but you know, do the math. It'll, it'll work out. I promise you'll end up in the same place if you follow that formula. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to leave you with that. All right. Because Big, <laughs> Big Lou Jones might love you, but I don't love any of you guys. In fact, I can't stand any of you. So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPhones, for all of you on your desktop or your droid or your your whatever whatever mobile device you're listening or watching this from my man big lou jones i'm jason debiss this is the option podcast stay with me i want to hit my music but for now we're out it's on optiondb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're gonna love what you hear